Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, last week, we started reading uh, together about the life of David from the books of First and Second Samuel. Uh, but before we get to David, we're spending some time in the prelude to his life, uh, which is intimately and importantly uh, tied to a woman named Hannah. Uh, she wanted to have a child, and she couldn't. And so last week, uh, we read together about her, as she put it, um, pouring out her soul to God about that and making a promise uh, that if God gave her a son, she would give him back to God. Well, God uh, did give her a son, and she named him Samuel. And we're going to pick up in her story um, from right before the, the part where she is about to make good on that promise that she made to God. So I'm going to read uh, 1 Samuel 1, verse 24 uh, through 2.10. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. Then they slaughtered the bull, and they brought the child to Eli. And she said, O my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. And Hannah prayed and said, My heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth derides my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none beside you. There is no rock like our God. Talk no more so very proudly. Let not arrogance come from your mouth, for the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. Those who were full have hired themselves out for bread, but those who were hungry have ceased to hunger. The barren has borne seven, but she who has many children is forlorn. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord makes poor and makes rich. He brings low and he exalts. He raises up the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with princes and inherit a seat of honor. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and on them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful ones, but the wicked shall be cut off in darkness, for not by might shall a man prevail. The adversaries of the Lord shall be broken to pieces. Against them he will thunder in heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. This is God's word, and it's given for our good. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask um, now as we um, talk for a little bit about this word that we've just read and heard together, that uh, like we sang earlier, that you would uh, bring all of our wandering view back to you and to your love, and to the grace that you have shown us in Jesus. Meet us uh, in the places that we have come to you from, the mornings, the weeks, the days, those of us who feel close to you, those of us who don't, those of us who are ready to hear from you, and those of us who aren't. 
those of us who have faith, those of us who aren't sure. Meet us all and show us your grace. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I, uh, I lived one place in one place for the first uh, 18 years of my life. Uh, and I can still see the backyard that I grew up with like I'm looking at it uh, in a picture. Um, there was two flower beds um, marked out, I think, kind of weirdly by concrete barriers. There was a long uh, clothesline and there was a yard uh, that sloped downwards away from our back door. Uh, and until I was old enough to roam the streets on a bike, that backyard uh, was where all of the action happened. Uh, all of the soccer games and wiffle ball games and treasure hunts and all of the bee stings and all of the lying on your back staring up at the clouds, uh, wasting time doing nothing. It all happened there. And Maybe you remember how it is um, when you're a kid. I mean, for better and for worse, that backyard, um, it seemed as permanent and as eternal to me as the sun itself. <laughs> but then one summer I came home from college and it had all uh, changed. The clothesline uh, had been taken down. One of the flower beds had been broken up and removed and most drastically, the earth itself had been moved, uh, and it changed that sloping backyard into a flat level backyard. Uh, it was disorienting, I have to say, when I saw it the first time, but when I saw it, I didn't feel sadness, and I didn't feel nostalgia. Um, what I felt was more like wonder than anything else. That thing that had seemed so permanent to me, the thing that had seemed so fixed to me, was clearly neither of those things. <laughs> and I thought to myself, wow, things can change. And uh, this is, I think, the kind of wonder that is at the heart of this prayer that Hannah prays. Sometimes we call it her song. She says, my heart exalts in God. She is thrilled. And one of the reasons that she is thrilled, of course, is because this thing in her life that she thought would never change, it has changed. And very quickly uh, in this song, and by that I mean by the third line of it, the, the focus shifts off of what Hannah has seen changed in her own life to what God can and will change for the whole world, including me and you. And so I want us to think together for a little bit about what it looks like to thrill in a God like that, who can change anything. So Hannah had prayed uh, for a son at Shiloh, and when we left her off in the story last week, she and her husband Elkanah had returned home um, to, their hill, to, their, uh, to the hill country in the middle of the country there. And sometime in the following months, it's not entirely uh, clear because the story doesn't say, but um, the storyteller says sometime in those following months, the Lord remembered Hannah. And she had a son whose name she, she gave the name Sam, to whom she gave the name Samuel. And you might remember, too, if you were here last week, that it was that family's practice to go up to Shiloh at least once a year to worship God there, to make offerings and 
to feast together. Um, But the following year, that year after Hannah had Samuel, she stayed home. And she told Elkanah that she wanted to keep Samuel a little while longer until he was weaned. She wanted her next trip to Shiloh to be the one where she made good on the promise that she had made to God. Now moms uh, in the ancient Near East typically nurse their kids for a long time. Uh, We don't know exactly because the story doesn't say, but it's a safe bet that Samuel wasn't weaned until he was somewhere between three and five years old. The story just says that Samuel was young, but eventually the day came for Hannah to take him up to Shiloh. And they made the offerings, and after they did that, she and her husband brought Samuel to Eli, the priest. And Hannah reminded him um, that she was the one. That she was the one that he had seen a few years ago praying at the entrance to the tabernacle. The one that he thought at first was just a drunken woman. And she said, well, you know what I prayed for then? I prayed for a child. And the Lord granted me my petition. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. So here's what Hannah is doing. Hannah explicitly revisits that moment and she memorializes it with Eli. And I just want to say that this is uh, an important practice in the life of faith. This is an important practice in the Christian life. It's one that we should make into a habit as best we can. We need to do what Hannah did. We need to tell stories of what God has done for us. And we need to invite other people to tell stories of what God has done for them, to remember and to tell those stories. Because remembering and telling is one of the things that builds hope in people like us. We remember God's past with us, and that gives us a redemptive imagination for the future. We remember God's past with us, and that fuels what we dream can and will be possible for us in the future. And that brings hope. And you know, I can only uh, imagine that it was that kind of real uh, red-blooded hope that was the thing that would have been the only thing, really, that would have lessened the pain of separation that Hannah and Elkanah are about to feel. I mean, when they leave Shiloh, Their little boy, Samuel, is staying there. Someone told me uh, this last week that they did not like the promise that Hannah made. They didn't like the promise that she was going to give the son back to God. And that certainly makes a lot of sense. But she did make the promise. And she is going to keep it. And you have to suspect that's because in some way she knows, in in a way that we don't have access to, she knows that her little boy's life is going to be part of a larger story with immense and far-reaching consequences. But before we can really reflect any more on that or think any more on that, uh, Hannah begins to pray, to sing. 
She says, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. Now, we don't use uh, that horn imagery much in our world. It doesn't make a lot of sense uh, for people, particularly who don't see animals in the wild that often. But that's what that image is. It's about an animal in all of its wild beauty and strength and virility standing with its horns or with its antlers uplifted in strength and majesty. (laughs) And it's, I think, pretty amazing to consider that that's what Hannah feels like right now. That's what Hannah feels like in that moment. She feels fierce and, and beautiful. She feels like her head has been lifted up by God, and now the whole world can see her. She's not the same woman anymore. The woman who had wept and prayed bitterly, she now sings with joy and prays with joy. And you think, wow, you know, things can change. Things can change. And Hannah wants to make sure that we know, that we hear in this song that that this salvation wasn't her own doing. And so, just to be clear, she says it three times whose doing it was. There is none who is holy like the Lord. There is none beside him. There is no rock like our God. And this is the point in the song where she stops singing about herself and talking about herself and starts talking about God. And in doing it, she draws the whole world into orbit around him. Here's what she's doing. She is remembering what God has done for her, her past with God. He gave her a son. And she is allowing that to give her a redemptive imagination, not just for her own future, but for the future of the whole world, including yours and mine. Now, we, we can't talk about every single line in the song. I think what you should do this afternoon is you should read it through a couple times and just turn it over in your heart and in your mind. There are two big ideas that run through this song. First, what Hannah does is sing about the power of God, and in particular, about the, how the power of God works justice in this world. I love that line, talk no more so very proudly. (laughs) For the Lord is a God of knowledge, and by him actions are weighed. The pillars of the earth are his. I mean, no one is going to get anything over on him. In the end, she says, the Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and his adversaries and the mighty who have set themselves against him, in the end they will be taken low, and they will be cut off. What Hannah is singing about here is about a world that is made right by God himself. A world that almost has a fairy tale ending where the poor end up sitting with princes and the needy inherit seats of honor. And Hannah is confident, she is confident that that is the world that you and I are hurtling into precisely because God is powerful. And precisely because God is powerful, precisely because he is remaking the world into the justice and peace that he created it for, the second big idea that runs through her song, which I think is the heart of it, it's hard to miss, and that is, there will be reversals. 
things that nobody thinks can change. They will change. The most rock-like, the most permanent seeming things in our world will be turned on their heads. The bows of the mighty are broken while the feeble put on strength. The people who had it all, they're out looking for work. And the hungry are feasting and filled. And the fertile are forlorn and the barren rejoice. Reversals are going to happen and things can change because of who God is. Hannah, <laughs> Hannah knows this stuff from the inside out. She has seen what God has done for her and she takes her little Samuel as a sign she sees him as a clue that God is up to something even bigger in the world. And I think this is a great place for you and I to wonder about where we find ourselves in her song. I mean, I don't know um, what it is in your life that you think is like a rock. What it is that feels permanent and unchanging to you. You know, maybe, maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a relationship that has become harmful or difficult. Maybe it is a sin that you, you can't shake that just seems to hang around. Maybe it's a bad reputation or a sadness or a loneliness. I mean, I think that we all have things that we imagine are like that. You know, we, we don't say it, but we live out our days as if these things are unforgivable and untouchable and unhealable. But if Hannah is right, and church, she's absolutely right, then we are gloriously wrong about those things. Reversals will happen. God will make things change. There is no rock like our God. And things will be forgiven. And they will be touched. And they will be healed. And part of following him faithfully is not only believing that that's true, but telling each other about it all of the time. This is what we do together as God's people. Together we remind ourselves of our past with God in order to give us a redemptive imagination for what our future can and will be. And that is what gives us hope. Our beautiful mother in the faith, Hannah, has shown us how to do it. That's what we're doing now as we worship together. This is what worship is. It's the center of it. That's why the rhythm of regular worship is so important for people like us. And we need to keep remembering and we need to keep telling everywhere we are around the dinner table and our small groups as we come and as we go. Because it creates hope. It reorders our lives around who God is and the future he has for us. And we know that it's true because of our past with him. And then, of course, at the end, Hannah sings a little bit beyond uh, what it is that she knows with her head. <laughs> 
he will give strength to his king, she sings, and exalt the horn of his anointed. You know, there's that horn image again. I mean, she didn't know it, but we know that ultimately she is singing about Jesus. Jesus lifted strong and mighty and beautiful first in his cross and then in his resurrection, his life given for our good and for the life of the world. <laughs> and church, it is in Jesus that God changes everything. It is in Jesus that we are healed and forgiven. Let me pray for us. Father, we ask uh, that you would help us to be a people who hear uh, this story, who hear this song, and who hear uh, this incredible good news that things can be changed, that there is nothing so fixed or unreachable that you cannot fix it, that you cannot reach it, that you cannot heal it. Help us to hear this song and, and with our other hand, hold that part of our story that we think can't be changed. And Father, help us to believe this good news and walk into that song in faith. Father, help us to be a people who tell each other this story all of the time. Do this so that we would be healed, so that we would be forgiven yet again, so that we would be strengthened in our faith. And do this so that we can become a people through whom you can love the broken world. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.